Hey there, movie fans. It's time for a brand new episode of Collider Videos for your consideration. If you've been watching Collider FYC for the last three years, you know that Oscar nomination morning is like Christmas morning, especially for my trusted, talented, amazing colleagues here. Please welcome the amazing Perry Nemiroff and the mighty Jeff Snyder. Perry, let's start with you. Your overall take on the nominations. What do you think? Happy, sad, disappointed, surprised? That was one of your shortest introductions ever because you just wanted to get to the meat of the episode. But, but exactly, I'm exactly. <laughs> it is like Christmas morning. Um, you know, it's the same story every year. There are ones that I'm really psyched about. There are snubs that bum me out, but... I think one of my biggest takeaways walking away from the initial announcement was, wow, I can't believe Love and Monsters is an Academy Award nominated film now. And I'm so happy about it. All right, Jeff, what do you think? What's your overall take here? I mean, I was happy because I was rooting for Sound of Metal all season. And, and I thought that that was very well represented. I was truly surprised by the omission of both Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and One Night in Miami. I know we all felt that that Judas and the Black Messiah momentum coming on strong, but I didn't think it would necessarily come at the expense of those two films. Yes, it definitely did come on strong. The release date was just right on HBO Max, as well as in theaters. So let's break down by the numbers here. Uh, there were eight movies nominated for Best Picture, leading the way with the most nominations, and I know we're going to get into it, is Mank. Mank had 10 nominations here. So the father... Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Nomadland, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7, all tied with six nominations, and then Promising Young Woman had five nominations. So those are the eight Best Picture nominees. Netflix led the way this year with 35 nominations total, beating last year where it had 24. So Jeff, you started with, uh, with the Best Picture nominees here and a couple movies that were definitely not included, which were Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and One Night in Miami. One Night in Miami didn't get Best Director either, so I feel like that movie underperformed. Do you think these movies should have been included to round it out to 10, or, or were the right movies nominated, the right eight movies? Jeff, what's your take? I mean... I, again, I personally liked One Night in Miami and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom more than Judas and the Black Messiah, but I do understand that those are stage adaptations, and I think that stage adaptations are viewed a different way, whereas Judas and the Black Messiah, I got a lot of response from, like, friends, just anecdotally, how, how, how much they love that movie, you know, I think it, it, it coming on late in the game, being on HBO Max, not anymore, but I think that really did help, uh, help it and, and, and lift its profile, um, I mean, do I think that the right movies were nominated? It's hard to argue with these eight movies. Again, I haven't seen The Father, um, which I know last episode we were kind of saying, oh, is this fading a little bit? I just, um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a ninth nominee where one of, you know, either Ma Rainey or One Night slip in there. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, listen, the fact that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and White Night, One Night in Miami were based on plays, 
I, I mean, I still think they're they're really good movies, and I think that that One Night in Miami is is the better of the two. It feels more like a movie, not just a stage adaptation. Perry, what is your take on these Best Picture nominees? Anything that should have gotten in? Yeah, uh, Ma Rainey, One Night in Miami, and also *The Five Bloods*. I'm I'm really upset about how few nominations that one received. But you know, jumping off of what Jeff said, you know, we we also have to remember this is the the preferential ballot system again. And I think when it comes to movies like Ma Rainey and One Night in Miami, maybe those weren't likely contenders for the top spots on people's rankings, which gave them less of a chance of getting these nominations. But even as I say that, I could apply a similar thought to, you know, The Father, which is a great movie and I think deserving of this nomination, but it's not necessarily the most pleasant watch out there. And Mank Mank is still kind of baffling to me in, in that respect and also beyond. But, you know, a lot of the ones that we're looking at right now are ones we've been predicting all along. So I kind of saw this list coming to some degree. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on there. I, I think uh, in terms of movies being pleasant, I, I can't say that any of the movies that made Best Picture are particularly pleasant, except uh, just with the respect that Trial of the Chicago 7 is a is a, is a rousing movie, um, you know, and, and uh, Mank is a, is, a, is a movie about a movie, but, you know, there's no like, like, I mean, I was, I was hoping that maybe a long shot like Palm Springs would get it because that actually is a pleasant movie, but, you know, I, I'm definitely not surprised that it didn't. A film that I thought might make the cut because it is a movie movie, but maybe it didn't make the cut because there were no theaters, hardly any theaters to see it in, was News of the World. I, I just really, really love that movie. And I, now that theaters are finally opening in LA, um, I'm hoping as soon as I get vaccinated, whenever that's going to be, that I'll have, I'll be able to see News of the World on, on the big screen because that's a movie movie. But uh, overall, I would say I agree with, with both of you. Nothing's really surprising here. I think the movies that were nominated should have been nominated. Interesting that Borat did not get nominated, even though it was nominated for a Producers Guild Award. And it also got nominated for Adapted Screenplay, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, some other interesting stats here is that obviously uh, two women were nominated for Best Director, one of them Asian. So it is the most, uh, most, most uh, it's a record-breaking year for women to be nominated for Best Director. And also a record non, nine non-white actors were nominated in the acting categories. Six of them were black. The previous record for non-white actors being nominated in the acting categories was seven in both 2007 and 2017. And then there's Chadwick Boseman who becomes the eighth actor to be nominated after his passing. Only two of the previous seven went on to actually win those were Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight and Peter Finch for Network. So let's go back to the nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay. The nominees are Borat, Subsequent Movie Films, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and then The White Tiger. So Jeff, what is your take on Adapted Screenplay? 
It's funny. The question that I got most from friends this morning via text was, how is Borat 2 an adapted screenplay? And of course, it's not based on, you know, a, a stage play or a book. It's based on characters previously, you know, created by. That's really the, the only reason. So I think it kind of snuck in there on, on a technicality of sorts. I, I don't know if it was terribly deserving of the nomination, even though I enjoyed Borat 2. Um, you know, I think this is, is nomad lands to lose, right? Well, well, look, I, I, uh, this is actually one category where one out of Miami did get nominated, thankfully, but not Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or News of the World. And really, I mean, Borat's subsequent movie film isn't really like a scripted, like scripted. I thought a lot of it right. was There's just, so much improvised. You know, a lot, a lot of it was improvised. So Perry, what is your take, first of all, on Borat to getting nominated here? And what's your take on the White Tiger getting in? Yeah, this isn't necessarily the place that I would have uh, nominated Borat, but it's clearly getting a lot of love right now. It's got that WGA nomination, so I wasn't too shocked to see it, but I was very happy to see the White Tiger follow through on that WGA nomination because I did think it was going to get bumped out ultimately, and clearly that's not the case, but... You know, when I look at the other ones with those nominations, it was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and News of the World, both of which I thought should have been in the mix here. But there's just not enough nominations to go around. So I think this is a, a solid group. Borat's like maybe a little bit of a head scratcher. But again, because of the Guild nomination, I can't say I'm surprised by it. That's a good point. Excellent point, Perry. Let's move on to original screenplay. The nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Okay, Perry, there is a snub here. Can you guess what it I is? Know, yeah, I know what you want me to go for right now. And it's Palm Springs. And, you know, Palm Springs was one of my favorite movies of 2020. So, of course, I'm disappointed not to see it represented in the Academy Award nominations, in particular in this category. But, you know, look, look at that like Judas Minari promising a woman sound of metal. And, you know, I, I would maybe take the trial of the Chicago seven out as we've established time and time again. I don't think that script is uh, especially refined, especially compared to something like Palm Springs and, you know, also soul. I mean, soul is hands down one of the most uh, creative original screenplays out there. And I just, I wonder if the fact that, uh, animated movies aren't eligible for the WGA nominations, maybe, you know, lessened that momentum a little and maybe just didn't have folks considering it for this category enough. But that's one that I think should be in there over Trial of the Chicago 7. Well, I, listen, I, I'm glad you went for Palm Springs because obviously it's a movie that, you know, I know you love as much as I do. But in terms of a snub, I mean, I really wasn't expecting to, it to get nominated uh, although it should have also been nominated for like editing, but the snub here is a movie that I, I thought would get nominated, even though I didn't love the film. You're talking about Mank? Yes, I'm talking about Mank. Yeah, I was actually relieved, even though I thought that the screenplay for Judas and the Black Messiah was one of its weaker elements. I was actually relieved to see it nominated ahead of Mank and ahead of Soul. Uh, because I, I do think it was a better screenplay than, than those two movies. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know about the Jack Fincher of it all and, and how much that, that played into things. But uh, yeah, I just thought the movie was boring. And I think a lot of people felt that way, even though it is leading the field with 10 nominations. It is leading the field with 10 nominations. And it is a movie about movies, a movie about Hollywood. And 
uh, listen, uh, whether you love the movie, you're this, you think the movie's uh, overrated, shall we say? Obviously, the Academy loves movies about movies, especially a movie about the making of the greatest movie of all time, the Citizen Kane of Citizen Kane movies, which is Citizen Kane. Uh, okay, let's move on to supporting. Wait, Mance, before we move on, yeah. I feel strongly that, that Emerald Fennell is going to win this award for Promising Young Woman, but the fact that Aaron Sorkin was snubbed for Best Director. Okay, wait, we'll get to that. But do you think that that could affect him winning original screenplay, that like he could get a boost? Uh, well, no other way to, there's no other category to, to like vote for him in. Well, uh, he, I mean, look, he, he was nominated for picture, even though, or, or the movie was nominated for Best Picture. But, but no, I, I, listen, he already has an Academy Award for for writing the social network but the fact that he was not nominated for director i in this case you know if a movie is nominated for like director but not picture i would say it's really hard for the director to win without even being nominated for picture or if a movie is nominated for picture and the director isn't nominated uh i mean it, it happens with argo you know, it happened with Driving Miss Daisy, but it's rare for a movie to win when its director isn't even nominated. So to answer your question, Jeff, in this case, I don't think that Sorkin not getting nominated for director will hurt his chances to win original screenplay. I think that it will give him the boost, although I think that Promising a Woman is the better film, the more deserving film. Yeah. And and Promising a Woman, actually, it's between Promising a Woman and Trial of the Chicago 7 here. Perry, what do you I'm think? Getting that. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that Mank is going to be the one to get lots of nominations and maybe no wins. And I think the next behind it with that might be Trial of the Chicago 7, where it got all the nominations that it did. And I don't think the narrative is going to continue in its favor to propel it to wins. And I think this category is included. I'm right now going for Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Like Woman. the Irishman and Marriage Story all over again. For yeah, it is. And, and you know, it. I think it also speaks to something else that we've mentioned. Look at all the Netflix films nominated. I do think that the awards team that they have over there is working real hard right now. And clearly they're doing their job well with all of these nominations. But the truth of the matter is there are only so many man hours to go around, so to speak. They have their work cut out for them. And I think what we saw happen here is focus being put on some movies and not others. And I'm not saying they had a choice in the matter because again, only so many hours in the day, but when you've got your hands this full, you have to prioritize things. And I think that, uh, you know, we're going to see the effects of that as the rest of the season plays out even more so. Well, listen, I, I agree that there's a chance that a movie like Mank could get, could be the most nominated movie and not win anything. It's happened before uh, with uh, American Hustle. It happened before with The Turning Point. Movies that got a ton of nominations uh, and no wins. So, but I mean, it did get 10 nominations. Let's not uh, take that away from the movie. It is the most nominated movie with 10 nominations. Now uh, I'll get to best director last. The next category I want to hit is supporting actor. And the nominees are Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Rassi for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. That was one of the best parts of the morning for me is 
hearing Lakeith Stanfield's name mentioned and in the same category as his co-star, Daniel Kaluuya. So my question is, do you think, Perry, that having two actors nominated in this category for the same film, do you think that maybe Lakeith Stanfield's nomination will sort of take away momentum Oh, wait, wait, wait. Jeff, you are shaking your head so big. I got to go to you on this. Do you think it'll take momentum away from I him? do. I think this is like a nightmare scenario for Daniel. <laughs> he heard Lakeith because it's like there are people who thought Lakeith was better. So it's like, do they end up splitting the vote and then allowing someone like Sasha Baron Cohen or Paul Rassi to sneak in and, and take the to, to snatch the victory away from Daniel Kaluuya. I think that's entirely possible. Both these guys were, were, were very um, deserving. I mean, I, I thought that the performances were the stronger, you know, parts of Judas and the Black Messiah. But like, how does this even happen? Because wasn't Lakeith being campaigned as a lead? Yeah, he was. That were they, they they were going to campaign him for a lead, but then he ended up going in for supporting, and then he he gets not. I mean, listen, I think both those guys are great in this movie. I tend to favor Daniel Kaluuya over in this film. I, I think he is an amazing actor. Remember that movie Widows? He was terrific in that. He should have won Best Actor for uh, for Get Out. I mean, he's. I think this is really his year. I think this is Daniel Kaluuya's year. Perry, what do you think? I think it's reasonable to think that Lakeith Stanfield being in here with him could diminish his chances, but I think that Kaluuya is the front runner so much so at this point that I think he's just going to run away with this category. I don't think it's really going to affect him in the end. And, you know, if I woke up this morning and Dominique Fishback's name wasn't the name I heard called out, I am glad that at least it was Lakeith Stanfield because, I mean, really, I was rooting for all three of them to get uh, to get some nominations here because I think they deserve it. And I think Kalu is going to get the win. Uh, I, I agree with you. And I certainly agree, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that uh, listen, if you can't have one, at least another actor was nominated for this movie. And, again, you know, look, I mean, we talked about this before. I think Judas and the Black Messiah is a fantastic movie. And I, I, it's, an, it's also a film that I've liked the second time I saw it. And I actually look forward to going back and watching it again. But I think there is a kind of a snub here in the sense that Chadwick Boseman was not nominated for supporting actor for The Five Bloods. Now, I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion that he's going to win Best Actor. So his omission here is not terribly upsetting, but he was mentioned as a possible double nominee and that didn't happen. I mean, Perry, do you think that, uh, are you cool with that? What do you, what's your take? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just thrilled to know that he's being recognized for his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and will almost certainly go on to win that Oscar. And, you know, to see... Uh, Maybe Lakeith Stanfield taking the spot that I would have assumed he was going to be in. I, th I think that's a, a fine way for things to have worked out. I think the bigger thing with that particular snub that you mentioned is the fact that The Five Bloods overall was just completely overlooked or almost completely overlooked. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go on to supporting actress. The nominees are Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, Glenn close for hillbilly elegy olivia coleman for the father amanda seyfried for mank yu young yoon for minari who is the first korean person to get nominated for an acting category and maria bakalova is the first bulgarian to get uh, nominated in an acting category so some good representation here let's uh first start 
with the fact that Glenn Close, not only does she get nominated, even though we left her off, not only does she defy the movie's bad reviews, and personally, this guy thought she just chewed her scenery too much, but I'm looking at these nominations here, and I think that Glenn Close is now the front runner. No. Yeah, I do. I do. I'll make a bet with you on that. No way. You want to make a bet with me on that, Perry? Yeah, I'll, I'll happily make a bet. She's Did never we have a bet her. on the nomination, or was that just... No, no, we, we, we did not. Um, okay. But, but okay, well, well, Perry, who do you think would win? Like, who's well, your favorite to win here? Like, literally anybody else but Glenn Close. Um, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think that's true. Again, I said this last episode, I still think even now that we have the nominations, I still think this is one of the biggest question marks of the, all the categories out there as far as who's going to win. But I think that Glenn Close... Definitely had a chance of getting the nomination, but I think I would have her in my five, maybe four spot to wind up with the win here. Well, first of all, you have Glenn Close going up against Olivia Coleman again. She lost to Olivia Coleman, who won for the favorite, and Glenn Close lost for the wife. That was a bet that I lost to the mighty Jeff Snyder. So the fact that Glenn Close goes up against Olivia Coleman again. The fact that Glenn Close has never won an Academy Award, I think this is her 10th nomination. Uh, This could be the year where they give it to an actor for their body of work. The fact that she did not win for the wife, even though she was favored to win for the wife. Uh, I, I think Maria Bakalova is fantastic in Borat's subsequent movie film. I mean, that movie made her a star. She stole that movie from Borat. I mean, how do you steal a Borat movie from Borat? She did it. It's not gonna be Amanda Seyfried. Uh, I doubt it'll be Yu Young Yoon, but- Why? I think, well, I, I mean, you have a 10-time nominee who got into exactly. this- Exactly, a 10-time nominee who has never won an Oscar. But, but that's the point. Just Razzie for the same performance. I, okay, Perry, that's a great point. But the fact that she is is recognized for, for being a little over the top here, and the fact that the movie was just completely eviscerated by critics uh, among, you know, among good company here, you know, with the two of you, but the fact that she still made it into this category, there is support for her. And I feel like her body of work here, where it did not work in her favor a couple of years ago with the wife, I think it will work into her favor here. Not quite ready to put some money down on this yet, Perry Nemiroff, okay. but I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I did Glenn Close suffer for her art in the way that Maria Bakalova did being locked in a hotel room with Rudy Giuliani? Absolutely not. Well, did well did Glenn Close suffer for her art? Yeah, she had to. She had. I to suppose she movie. did. Actually, you're right. Yeah, she absolutely did. She had to be in this movie. But I don't know. I I mean, once again, once again, you know, for the second time in our three seasons so far tenure here with Collider FYC. We are, we are getting into a debate here about Glenn Close winning an Academy Award. I love it. I think it's great that we have this history, that we've already been down this road talking about Glenn Close we've winning an Academy inside Award. inside jokes, yes, on the show. On the show. Um, inside Collider FYC jokes. Okay, there's I, a new hashtag. Inside Collider FYC. All right. I still so, think 
Yu Young Yoon has a real shot here. I think she's far and away the best performance in this category. If I had a ballot, she's who I would be voting for, so I would not count her out. Her, Bakalova, and Coleman on the same tier of possibility. And I then agree. I would think that uh, that Glenn Close and, and Seifert are the, the least the likely options to win. Yeah, well, I, I went with Glenn Close before, and I came up short in that respect two years ago with the wife. But in this case, I, I think I'm going to be team Glenn Close again. I'm not, I'm not putting money down on it. I still have to think this through. I'm still processing this morning's nomination. Still early for Scott. Yeah, it's still, <laughs> yeah, it's three hours ahead for you two. So let's move on to Best Actor. Uh, the nominees here are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins, the father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yin for Minari. Riz Ahmed becomes the first Muslim to be nominated for lead actor, and Stephen Yin, the first Asian American nominated for lead actor. So Perry, Perry, Perry wore a t-shirt for this guy. I mean, Perry wore a t-shirt. I'm not going to stop wearing that t-shirt, even though it's over with now, because it's ridiculous. I just, I don't understand. I don't I'll, understand. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what it was. I know, I know what you're going to say. It's because the movie came out in the summer of last no. year. No. Why? Okay. Okay. First of all, wait, wait. We're talking about Delroy Lindo here. It's the ahead, MAGA Jeff. of it all. No one wanted to vote for that character. Uh, whoa, what? Really? You think yes. that's what it is? A hundred percent. Guys <laughs> wearing a red hat, talking Trump this, Trump that, the entire movie. Uh, naturally, that is you. You can be, you can be a Republican in Hollywood. You cannot be pro-Trump. Then they didn't watch the movie and pay attention to the transformation that they went that this guy went through and the purpose of having that be a quality of the character then that's on the on that's a fault of the voters for not having actually listened to what they were saying in the movie i agree perry i also jeff i mean first of all that's a very interesting perspective jeff and if they're not going to nominate an actor for playing a role for playing a trump supporter i mean you're not voting for Trump. You know what I mean? Like I just think that that's what it was. That's why he could never gain traction the entire season. All right. I say I say I don't understand because I think Delroy Lindo's performance in that movie is so, so good and so obviously deserving of the role of the uh, the nomination. I do understand or at least I think I understand why it happened. And I think it goes back to what I was saying about Netflix needing to spread the wealth as far as advocating for their films. And I do think they had a very solid late season push for this where I heard a lot about it, but it just wasn't enough. And I also think it was going back to a Defied Bloods snub almost throughout every single category here. I think just overall, it was a movie in its entirety that was overlooked. A lot to say about that, Perry. I, I agree that with what you said, but the part of the late season push wasn't just because Netflix got out there and, and, and Delroy Linda was doing interviews again. It was the fact that people were recognizing that he was being snubbed elsewhere, starting with the Golden Globes. Like, how could he? I mean, look, it's the Golden Globes, which have no credibility at all. We all know that. But it was still an award show. It was still a snub that he was not nominated for that. So, so just, just that noise that he was overlooked, that he was snubbed. And I thought for sure people would, would revisit the film 
or think back to the movie and go, oh yeah, he really, really did give a performance that is up there. First of all, it was a career defining performance. It was the performance of his career. It was the performance of a lifetime. And if you're going to stack them side by side, you have Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, and Anthony Hopkins, uh, you know, in terms of the power, the showiness of the performance, Delroy Lindo is right there. Now, Stephen Yen's performance is more understated and restrained, and that, that brings a power of its own, and that's why he deserved to get nominated. But Gary Oldman, if you look at his, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad performance, but when you look at his sort of showy performance in Darkest Hour, and you compare this to that, it just doesn't compare. And I just didn't think that his performance really stuck out, you know, like Delroy Lindos did. I think Delroy Lindos' admission here is a snub. I I know we had him in over Gary Oldman, but I guess, you know, it it's all goes back to the Hollywood movie about a Hollywood thing. And that's uh, that's why he got in. Um, all right, any more thoughts on Best Actor from either of you? Do we think Chadwick has this in the bag or is there any way that Riz no. and, or Anthony Hopkins could could overtake him? Uh, I think if I had a house, I would bet the house on Chadwick Boseman at this point. Yeah, that, that so I think that Chadwick would become the the eighth actor to be, uh, uh, or the, showing the third actor to win uh, after his passing. Moving on to Best Actress. And I think this is a field where we're, Everyone's in agreement here. So we have Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan, Promising a Woman. I was really hoping that there would be a Hail Mary and Rosamund Pike would get in, but she didn't, not surprised, but I still think that that movie and her performance are fantastic. But honestly, not much to say about the Best Actress category other than this is what we were predicting. This is what everyone was predicting. Perry, what's your take? Yeah, this is the most predictable of the bunch. And I think that, you know, it, it could go to a couple different people here, but I still think Carrie Mulligan is the current front runner. I mean, I'm inclined to agree, but I just, part of me, has a tough time writing off Frances McDormand just because she's won two Oscars in the past. I really think she was terrific uh, in, in Nomadland. I think it is between her and, and Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, well, I, I think that Viola Davis gave a, a, a fantastic performance to Ma Rainey. But if I had to put money on this, this category, I would go with Carrie Mulligan. I mean, she also gave an amazing performance, performance of a lifetime. I mean, she's awesome. Okay. So, now we move on to Best Director. The nominees are Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, Emerald Fennell, Promising a Woman. First, we have to talk about the fact that two women were nominated for Best Director, which is amazing. Second, we have to talk about that Aaron Sorkin, a lot of people were counting on him getting nominated. I thought that was a pretty big snub here. Jeff, what did you think there? I was definitely surprised Sorkin didn't get in, but I also think that the industry just thinks of him as a writer first and foremost, and that they have a hard time sort of wrapping their head around Aaron Sorkin, Oscar-nominated director. Um, Vinterberg was definitely a surprise. I still have not seen another round, and I'm definitely going to watch it this week uh, 
you know, so they can check off that box. Um, you know, Greg Elwood at the playlist, I think, was predicting that nomination. And and so in the last couple of days, I did sort of sense a, a rise in Winterberg. So it didn't catch me off guard entirely. But I really like this this grouping of, of nominees. I think that, uh, it, you know, it's great to see Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennell nominated. And not just because they're women, but because they actually deserve these nominations. Their movies were excellent. And, and I think... It's frankly between the two of them and, and Lee Isaac Chung. Do you think that Regina King was snubbed or do you think that it was right for her to not be nominated? I didn't think she was snubbed. No, I, I thought George C. Wolf did a better job with Ma Rainey personally. I like that movie. I, I think uh, in addition to uh, Greg Elwood, I think that Glenn Whip at the LA times also picked Thomas Vinterberg to be a possible surprise for another round. So uh, hats off to my pal, Glenn Whip at the LA times, Perry, what do you think of the Best Director nominations here? As happy as I am to see two female filmmakers nominated here for the first time, I do think it should have been three. I think Regina King was a snub here and what she did with that adaptation and bringing that material to life, I, I think it warrants a Best Director nomination here. I also did think that between Fincher and Sorkin, if one or the other lost out on this nomination, it was going to be Fincher and not Sorkin clearly I was not right on that one and yeah I mean there's no denying that Vinterberg is the uh is the real surprise here and another round is now my top priority I am definitely watching it tonight because now there, there's some like serious urgency there I, I'm very curious and I've only heard the best things about the movie yeah it, it's amazing I saw it back in September when it was part of the virtual Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, I love Mads Mikkelsen and he's phenomenal in this movie. And uh, it, it listen, I couldn't help but notice that the, the, that film, Another Round, which is on demand, you can uh, watch it for a premium and it's worth it, has stayed in the conversation among, you know, Academy voters and certainly among movie people uh, covering award season like us. So, uh, but still big surprise that he was nominated, but he deserves it. Uh, it's too bad another round didn't get nominated for best picture, but very cool that Thomas Vinterberg made it in. And I do agree with you, Perry, that between uh, David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin, I thought that Sorkin would make it in. And I felt, I did feel like you, that Regina King should have been included on this list, making it three women, not just two, but she still directed the hell out of this movie. And uh, it just looked obviously a very, very tough category. So uh, what, but who do you think wins here, Jeff? I think this is the, the only move. The only one I can really predict is that Chloe Zhao is definitely going to win this award. That, that, that is the award that I felt strongest about the entire season, even more than best actor. I am 100% backing Chloe Zhao on this one. Yeah, Chloe Zhao, it's her year for sure. Uh, other than, honestly, Best Actor for Chadwick Boseman, I think Chloe Zhao for, for Best Director is, is kind of a kind of a lock. Uh, but I do want to ask, okay, since we're talking about just a couple of predictions here, Best Picture, what wins Best Picture Perinormal Activity? I, I'm still thinking this is also Nomadland's award to lose. I think there's a pretty solid second tier of possibilities, but that one does feel like the clear front runner right now. And obviously that prediction is, uh, you know, we're, we're going to gain more clarity and that prediction is going to have more behind it. Once we start to see the guild wins come in, I think that's going to point us in the right direction pretty easily. Jeff, do you have any predictions for best picture? 
I mean, I, I think Nomadland is going to win, but I will say this. The fact that one night in Miami and Ma Rainey were snubbed, I think could really benefit Judas and the Black Messiah. That would not shock me if Judas and the Black Messiah, even though I think it's like maybe the weakest of these contenders besides Mank, it would, I wouldn't be shocked if that actually came out of nowhere to win Best Picture this year. Uh, that's an interesting take, Jeff. I, I don't think that Judas and the Black Messiah gets the win, but if it does, I think you're right for why it would because of its late entry and the fact that it's fresh and people are seeing it more recently. Going into the nominations, a lot of people were predicting that there might be a split between Best Picture and Best Director that Chloe Zhao would win Best Director and that Trial of the Chicago 7 would win Best Picture because it was so timely and relevant and again such a uh, rousing film in the end because of just everything that it stood for it was kind of a crowd pleaser in that respect and it would like represent the time but the fact is that Trial of the Chicago 7 was not nominated for Best Director. And I think only three movies won Best Picture without their directors being nominated. They were, they were, uh, uh, they were Driving Miss Daisy, Argo, and Green Book. Because Peter Farrelly, right? Right, Jeff, you knew and you were just late for me to say, weren't you? <laughs> I had to give you the chance to get it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I know there's another movie in here. All right. Uh, before we go, just a mention for documentary feature Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time are the nominees. And then animated feature Onward, Over the Moon, Sean the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolf Talkers. Any ideas about documentary feature here, Jeff or Perry? I just I loved Crip Camp and I and I hope that they they go with Crip Camp but I, I you know I think Collective is is going to be tough the fact that it was nominated for both best documentary and best international feature clearly shows that there's some support there. Perry, I'll I'll echo what Jeff just said in regards to Collective. I haven't seen all of these yet, so I think I'm going to have a better understanding once I do. But I also hear the greatest things about my octopus teacher. Lisa, I, I've had someone telling me to watch that for for quite I guess since it debuted on Netflix, and uh, now I get to jump into it more urgency. Have either uh, of you seen Time? Uh, yeah, Time is excellent. It's on Amazon Prime. Excellent film. Probably uh, I would say the front runner to win. Uh, the movie I kind of thought would get nominated but didn't was Boy State. But, uh, you know, these are, all, these are all terrific films. And I think Time is the best of the bunch. Animated feature, look, uh, I think it's Soul. It's Soul's movie to lose. It's Pixar's movie to lose. Soul is going to take this uh, easily. I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion, like Chadwick Boseman and uh, uh, Chloe Zhao for Best Director. What do you guys think? Perry? It's Soul's. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going with that here. Jeff? I mean, that that's the prediction. I, I preferred Onward, and, and I it wouldn't shock me if something like Wolf Walker's upset, because weird things have happened in this category. But yeah, I think the front runner is Soul. Well, listen, Jeff Snyder, Perry Sight, it has been a joy to talk about the Oscar nominations with you right here on Collider FYC. Uh, you know, I know it's been a rough year for many, many reasons for many, many people. 
It has been an unusual year to cover movies. We have an extended grace period of 14 months, not 12. We have an Oscar ceremony that is happening very late in the game on April 25th on ABC. And you can bet that we'll be back the following day with our, with our final episode of season three of Collider FYC. But I just think that in the end, while we don't have any big blockbusters in the bunch, you know, there's no like once upon a time in Hollywood with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio being nominees. I do think that in the end, that even though we were not able to see these movies on the big screen, the quality of the films from January of 2020 to February of 2021 were outstanding. And I feel like this this award season, this Oscar season, these Oscar nominees are just as strong as any other. Perry, any final thoughts here? I'm just happy to be celebrating movies right now. I know there's there's some disappointments in the mix. There's some things that need to be changed in the process. But give, given what we've gone through in the last calendar year, I mean, this is this is a time of year that I don't think I'd be able to keep up my spirit if I didn't have it. So I am just going to embrace all of these incredible movies and performances and work across the board that really deserve to get their time in the spotlight and are getting it now, whether the Oscar telecast ratings are high or not. Right. Yeah. Well, they're not going to be Jeff. I know. I mean, I, I still don't know why the show is in April and why the deadline was extended to February. I think that if it had just stuck to the end of 2020, that, that Warner Brothers ultimately would have released Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max or whatever in December. But I guess the fact that they did push the deadline and the nominations do reflect that change because Judas is included, I guess it makes, you know, means it all makes made sense in the end. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I, I, I think that, that they were just pushed back because they were hoping that, you know, the pandemic would have been sort of over and people would have been able to get back to somewhat normal and have a more, a more in-person ceremony, but obviously, uh, uh, the the uh, fading of the pandemic is happening much, much later than anybody wanted it to. But at least it is starting to fade. So so hats off to that. So, uh, okay, where can we find Perry outside of Collider? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at P. Nemiroff. And you can follow Perry on her YouTube channel, which is? You just search my name. It's it's okay. like YouTube backslash Perry dash Nemiroff or Something close to that. Let's put Perry Nemiroff in your search field and all her amazing videos will come up. Jeff, where can people find you in and out of Collider? Well, they can find me on Insider Plus, the world's first paid Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Jeff, cutting edge. Journeyman Jeff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MovieMance, and you can check out my original content on my own YouTube channel, which is just Scott Mance. Put that in your search engine, and uh, please be sure to uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And when can we expect to see the next episode, Perry? You can um, expect to see another, I was prepared this time, another episode of Collider FYC right after the winners are announced at SAG. So early April, Jot it down. We'll be back here to reassess all of our uh, acting category predictions. 
And you know what? You might just see the three of us show up on Perry's channel just in case we can't wait that long and we have to talk about award season. So if we're not back before then on Collider, we will be back on Perry's channel to keep talking about award season. As always, thank you so much for watching and listening to Collider FYC. Be sure to review our podcasts and uh, so we can get uh, more people to listen to our podcast version of Collider FYC. Make sure you share this video with other movie fans, other Oscar fans. Make sure you give this video a like and make sure you retweet when we tweet this out. And until the next episode of Collider FYC, FY, see you later.